Hello, good morning. My name is Bill Clark and I am the host of Scrambled Eggs and Ham. And today I'm with my co-host Don Maxwell Wade. And today we have a special guest for you. Her name is Kate Simmons. Say howdy, Kate. Hi. Okay. So Kate, how's your day going so far? It's going fairly well. It's a beautiful spring day here in New Jersey. So yeah, all is good. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Yes, I'm also here in New Jersey today. So, Kate, tell us about your brain injury. Okay, so that's how I know you, Bill, is from um, one of the brain injury support groups. So my story is that I was uh, going to law school, and about six weeks before graduation, I had a really bad uh, cold, a sore throat and a cough and a stiff neck that kind of didn't go away. I was going to law school at night and working full-time, and I was also involved in a lot of um, student competitions, representing mm -hmm. Rutgers Law School at the regional competition. And um, looking back on it, maybe I was doing a little bit too much. But anyway, so I was at work one day. Um, I worked as a paralegal in a busy law firm, and I wasn't feeling well. My legs started getting shaky, and they said, oh, eat something. So I, did, I didn't feel any better, and I, so I went home that afternoon. What's interesting is I went home and um, we had a cat at the time, a black and white cat. And, you know, cats, they love to nap. Mm -hmm. Well, I went home to nap and the cat would not let me have it. He kept coming around my head and sniffing my breath and crying out. Eventually, I had to put him outside the bedroom because I wanted to sleep. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, so I think sometimes our animals might know more what's going on than we do. Anyway, I was pretty tired and just slept. And fortunately, my partner at the time actually worked in New York City, because um, this is the year 2000 on Y2K stuff. She was a computer programmer. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty stressful job, and she often didn't get home until like 8 o'clock at night. But that day, she got home early, around 4. Mm. And I'm very lucky because she came in and she said, oh, what are you doing home? I said, I don't feel well. I said, let me take your temperature. And at that time, I had a fever of over 104. I said, wow. oh my gosh, I'm, I'm taking you to the hospital. And being as vain as I, I am, I said, wait a second, let me go to the bathroom first. And with that, I tried to get out of bed, and I fell. My whole right side had been paralyzed. Oh. So um, basically, I don't remember much what happened. I remember being in the stretcher and going down on steep stairs. And at the hospital, um, I had a spinal tap, and then I slipped into a coma. And... Um, I awoke a couple of days later, um, paralyzed, and I couldn't speak. Um, mm. So it was very frustrating because I kept saying to people, what happened? What, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And actually, I have to give the hospital credit, too. I was at St. Barnabas, and they had great protocols. I was in an isolation unit in ICU, and no one could come into the room unless they signed a waiver because they didn't know what I had. Uh -huh. They just knew I had meningitis and encephalitis. I had oh, swelling boy. of my brain and my spinal cord which event it, it initially didn't look like it was going to be. And um, luckily it did sort of, I guess, stopped expanding. And that's when I woke up in my coma. Um, so basically uh, I woke up and then I uh, was in ICU for uh, several more days. And then I got moved up to the cancer ward um, and why the cancer ward, once again, they wanted to keep me in isolation because they didn't know what exactly I had. Mm -hmm. And basically, they will never know what I had because they had done multiple tests of uh, viruses. It was a virus that attacked my brain and spinal cord. 
Mm-hmm. But they don't know what virus it was. It has not been identified. Um, there's so many billions of viruses out there. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is that the medication they gave me, uh, the steroids and antibiotics, did work to, to fight that infection. Um, so then I uh, was at St. Barnabas for several weeks, and I eventually uh, was getting better in the sense of uh, learning to speak again and sort of uh, trying to learn to walk. And then I was transferred to Kessler as an inpatient. And the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation is a uh, yeah a, um, a full full program. Mm-hmm. They get you up at a certain time and wheel you in your wheelchair to breakfast, and then on to physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and then back to your room for a nap and lunch, and then back again in the afternoon <laughs> for more therapy. So it's it's a full day program, and eventually um, I graduated from that, um, and that question then became, where could I go? I did not know all this. This has all been related to me. I thought I was almost as good as new because I had started to walk again. Basically, I wasn't walking very well. I had a lot of balance problems, and I had mm-hmm. uh, a brace on my my ankle, my foot, to keep from foot drops so I could walk, and I had a quad cane. And let me tell you, that quad cane was the best thing ever because a lot of times I would fall. Mm-hmm. And the, the purpose of a quad cane is to stand up on its own. So someone yes. like me, when, that, when I fell, I'd crawl over the I came and I kind of pull myself back up. Wow. Um, so after Kessler, the question was where to put me because I didn't realize this, but I guess my loved ones did. I could not be left alone. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, probably was a hazard to myself and others. Mm-hmm. And luckily, my part, my life partner at the time, Lisa, her dad, uh, took us in. He had a ranch house, and so I could be there um, and learn to walk again. And um, and that's what we did, and I, I was getting better, and I had a judicial clerkship lined up, and I called my judge saying, I'm ready to start, I'm good as new. I said to him, I just can't pick up paperclip. And I say that because that was my understanding of that I was totally healed. In reality, I had a long way to go. Um, unbeknownst to me, my partner Lisa had called the insurance company, the medical insurance company, to say, hey, you know what, I know she finished all her you know inpatient treatment, but something's still wrong. She's not making sense with words. She can't find words. She can't remember things. She mixes things up. And she's really kind of a mess. And luckily, the woman at the insurance company said, hey, have you heard about this cognitive rehabilitation program, which we hadn't. And basically, I went back to Kessler to get screened for it, and I was accepted. And it was a a day program that I went several times a week. I went uh, and actually uh, had uh, Access Link, which is New Jersey Transit uh, Reasonable Accommodations for Disabled Folks to take public transportation. Mm-hmm. The car would come and I would hobble on in and they would take me to the Kessler Institute and I would do cognitive rehabilitation, which is actually trying to teach you to learn how to live with your modified brain and make accommodations for how you can't remember things, maybe you can learn to record things or write them down, set up a planner, um, set better habits of like putting your keys in the same place when you come in the house. That was a big part of the program, the cognitive rehabilitation. Then I also did speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy. Um, And the good part though about that program was that I met other people that were like me that had this traumatic event happen and wanted to go back to work. And uh, we were all a bit unrealistic about our limitations, but I guess maybe that's a blessing. We had known how bad we were, we had come so far, 
But anyway, so I, I finished that program, and then um, with a lot of assistance uh, as far as accommodations, I did pass the bar exam. Oh, wow. Um, Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah. And then I did begin start to work as an attorney um, for several years, but um, I think I didn't want to acknowledge uh, that I had a brain injury, so it was very difficult uh, when I would say to my boss, like, you know, I'm really tired, I can't work in many hours. They didn't understand, and when I said, like, you know, I can't, I can't drive there physically, it's just too much for me, because I wasn't really forthcoming. So eventually, I got fired from all my uh, attorney jobs, and um, yeah, I had to acknowledge that uh, I was different, different than I was before. So that's a, a little long-winded story, but that's basically what my brain injury is. Uh, so I had encephalitis and meningitis, and I slipped into a coma, and then I was paralyzed and speechless for a little while, and kind of uh, got a lot better, but there's still things I'd like to think I'm, it's 20 years later, I think there's still things I'm working on and trying to improve. Wow. You know, you sound so much, when I first met you uh, at Kessler, you know, it was different. Mm-hmm. You sounded, you you were, I guess, in the beginning stages of your rehabilitation. You have, mm-hmm. you sound awesome. You're awesome. And the way that you constructed your sentences and your paragraphs and the story you just told us, it was awesome. You've, you've I got to congratulate well, you. you. I got to definitely congratulate you. Don, do you have a question well, thank for, you. for Kate? Yeah, I, actually, I do. Um, um, it's very interesting because you became an attorney after the onset of the brain injury, which is uh, amazing. And um, people told you that maybe you you were speaking differently, and could could you even see what they were talking about before they said anything? Like, was it something they saw from the outside, and and it was hard for you to see it from the inside? So uh, there's a little um, background uh, muffling your uh, sound on, but I think the question is, uh, did people see things that I couldn't see about my limitations? Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Correct. Yes. Yes. I think I was totally um, oblivious to some things, and I think it's kind of a blessing uh, because I think it was that kind of this idea of the spirit. I was like, I'm just as good as you, and I had no idea that I was uh, leaving the stove on. Forgetting to take the keys out of the door, uh, forgetting where I parked the car, um, forgetting I had doctor's appointments. Uh, a lot of like, you know, people. When I share that with some people, are like, oh, we all forget things. But I think it was the compilation of all the multiple forgetting and the ability, the inability to find words. Like I would just call things by different words. I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. I would call a remote. I don't know something different, and I didn't understand why they didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And I still sometimes do make that mistake. I will say things like. Uh, going out to a restaurant, I will say salmon, but I really wanted the soul. And I don't know why there's like a disconnect between what I think in my mind I said and what really comes out of my mouth, which is a problem. And so, yeah. But I think that's just something, at least at at this point now, this many years later, at least I'm aware of it. Initially, I was not aware of it. I was so optimistic and so so confident that I was going to be just as good as I was before. And I think right. I kind of needed that just for my own self-esteem and also needed it just to keep moving forward because, you know, that physical therapy, occupational therapy takes a lot out of a person. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've been there. It definitely does. Mm-hmm. Don, your next question? Uh, oh, this question is one that people don't get, but I, you know, it's very interesting. You know, what lessons do you think you've learned from this, the experience of um, having this brain injury? Oh, I think it's a great question. And I think um, I've learned so many things. I think initially when this happened, I was so angry. I was so mad that, you know, here I was pretty darn healthy. I mean, I was a triathlete. I raced uh, on a women's bicycle racing team. I played professional beach volleyball. And, you know, I took my vitamins, lifted weights. I really didn't <laughs> drink or do drugs. And it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't really matter. It's like life happens. Um, so the lessons I've learned, there's quite a few. So actually, um, speaking of that, I've tried to compile some of the things I've learned uh, into a, I'm working on a memoir about my brain injury, um, and it's entitled, um, let me just pick it down. Uh, it's okay if your shoe falls off, and other lessons I've learned from being paralyzed and speechless. And so just to give you a little recap of some of the ideas I've learned is that, um, well, like, uh, sometimes we got to compare ourselves only to ourselves because when I was in physical therapy, occupational therapy, I would compare myself to everyone else and say, oh, look how much stronger they are, look how much stable they are. And then I, I failed to look back and say, look at you. You were in a wheelchair only weeks ago. You were in a place where they didn't think you'd ever walk again, and now you're walking. Granted, you may not be walking as well as you'd like or as steadily or so smoothly, but you're doing that. And I guess, um, Another, I guess, lesson I learned is sometimes to give yourself permission. Like, I think in our culture here, we want to be super performers and do everything that everyone asks in the time frame they, they want. But I think my brain injury has taught me that I need to give myself permission that my brain and my body don't work like it used to before. And that I need to be accommodating, just like we accommodate someone else to say, hey, I'm tired. This is not a good time for me to do X, Y, or Z, I need to take a rest, or what have you, and just accept that. But I think it's really hard, because I guess there's some shame in admitting this vulnerability that is really kind of hard to overcome. And um, so what I, one of the other things I learned, is, and I'm going to segue to uh, a chapter, if you don't mind, I'd like to read a little excerpt from my book. No, no, um, please. Please, please. Okay, please and do. It's called, uh, okay, it's called Why Do I Sing? After nearly dying, I joined and began to sing two choirs. I was not a singer. I liked to sing as a child, but I never sang in organized public fashion. Maybe I was intimidated because I did not know how to read music. And I never would have joined a choir had I not become terribly ill and lost my ability to speak, to communicate. Over 20 years ago, I contracted encephalitis and meningitis. I slipped into a coma, and when I awoke days later, I was trapped in a body that could not move, a mouth that could not form words, and a brain that was damaged. It took me a while to learn to walk and talk again, and I could not have done it without the love and encouragement of my beloved 
my siblings, and many doctors, nurses, nurses' aides, physical therapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists, cognitive rehabilitation specialists, neuropsychiatrists, and a few kind strangers. I have since learned that although the area in my brain controlling speech was impaired, it is likely I could have flown. Singing comes from a different part of the brain. And in the early days of my recovery, when I did not agree with so, what someone was saying, words failed me. Yet I needed to respond, and I did. Unbeknownst to me, I was home. I am told it was not a pleasant home, but a loud, irritated rumbling. It's interesting how my subconscious recognized that the conversation was distressing me and addressed it by humming, while my brain could not make the connections needed to form words. Ah, the blessings of a brain injury. Yes, having a brain injury has blessed me in many ways. I have been humbled. I have learned to ask for help. It has changed me. Initially, I did not want anyone to know. I didn't want them to think less of me or start talking to me slowly or loudly. I appreciate the talking slowly because here in the Northeast, we talk fast and my mental processing is slower. But I don't understand why people began talking loud to me when I explained I had a brain injury. My brain doesn't work optimally, but my hearing is excellent. In fact, my sensitivity to noise and light has definitely expanded after my brain injury. And I did not want people to think I was stupid because I had a brain injury. So I tried to hire it, hide it. But after being fired from several jobs because I could not keep up, I realized that it was that I was the one who needed to change and to acknowledge that I was different. Mm -hmm. All the time and effort I spent to get out of the wheelchair, to drop the quad cane, to hide the drop foot, my slurred speech, my paralyzed hand, my memory gaps and losses hurt me in the end. I look so normal. People struggle to see how I was disabled. I had to learn to make myself vulnerable and let others know what happened to me. With my brain injury, that was a challenge because I did not know how much, how little to share, and I still don't. Some people have heard more details than they need, while others still don't get it because I have not been forthcoming enough. Recognizing and accepting that I'm disabled has taken me years. Honoring my journey from near death to paralysis and speechlessness to this new, differently abled me has been a struggle. Yet I have realized that I cannot move forward unless I acknowledge and appreciate who I was, including the paralyzed, speechless me. When I joined the choir at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation, I did not join because I thought I could sing. I joined because when I sing, it brings me back to that awful time in my life when I could not communicate, a time when I was trapped in a body that couldn't move, when I could not form words, when I could not write, when I could not feed myself. But maybe I could have sung. The first, in the first weeks or months of rehearsal were difficult for me, not only because I could not read music, but because I sing. By opening up that part of me, I cried. Mm. The singing was an emotional link to my speechless days. Mm. At first, I tried to hide my tears, but then I realized I couldn't go on hiding. The reason I was here was to acknowledge the pain and the loss of being unable to speak, unable to communicate. So little by little, I told people, why did you join the choir, someone asked. Because there was a time in my life when I was very ill and the gift of speech was taken away from me. Although I could not wrap my lips and tongues around words, this likely could have flown. 
And when I do sing, it takes me back to those days when I lived in the hospital and lay at the rehabilitation center. It's not easy going back to that place, a place where I'm so dependent on, every, on others for everything, feeding me, bathing me, exercising my limbs, brushing my teeth, combing my hair, and carrying me to the toilet. But I go back there, night after night in my choir's rehearsal, and it gets easier each time. The memories of how limited I was, how dependent I was upon others, and the fear that I would never recover becomes less potent. Those difficult days and their memories are slowly becoming merely a part of me in my life story. They no longer define me. Wow. Well, okay, thank you so much. You know, that that's amazing. That is so inspiring. I'm inspiring. You know, you brought tears to my eyes when we were talking about, you know, the fact that um, everybody had to do everything from you, for you, you know, because you were incapable mm-hmm. of taking care of your, your, your life. And I've experienced that in the beginning of my stroke also. And it's so good to hear mm-hmm. that, you know, you've overcome so much. And you do sing. As you do, do you want to sing something for us today? Oh, no, thank you. But that's why I sing it. That's, that's why I sing it. I sing in the choir. So the singing the choir is you sing, you make a peaceful sound with others. <laughs> my, own, my own sound is all right, but I'm definitely not a soloist. I just don't have that. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I don't have that. But I do enjoy singing with others to make music together. Wow, that, I think that's a beautiful thing and very encouraging. And a, and a lot of people are going to be so inspired by hearing your voice, you know, today. You know, you know what I really liked about that? Um, a lot of what you wrote, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. are, a lot of that, those are the thoughts that are going through your head constantly. But other mm-hmm. people can cannot hear it. You're the only person, obviously, that can hear what's in your brain. And mm-hmm. and you um, very eloquently um, um, described what those thoughts were. Yeah. Well, I thank and, you, Don. I, I appreciate yes. that. I appreciate being here on this podcast and I appreciate your positive feedback that means the world to me thank you yes you're welcome do you have any questions for us well I guess maybe I'll ask you both because I don't really know um, much about Don's injury if you could share I guess a similar thing tell me briefly Uh, about your brain injury and what good I guess has come out of it or one or two things that are good that came out of it we know it was hard and difficult but what good came out of your brain injury What's very interesting is, you know, I, I have MS and mm-hmm. um, people don't necessarily get it, know exactly what it is. I, I understand that because, you know, if you've never dealt with somebody with it, um, you don't you don't understand it. But but it basically it also um, affects your brain. And um, you know, you you just start to you have to find different ways to do things you've done every day for the first twenty five thirty years of your life, and that is exhausting. But mm. nece- but it's necessary. 
Uh, and if you you know if you're talking about good um, coming out of it, it's that you realize that um, I, I yeah, I'll I'll stop I'll I'll say something that people don't get. Um, I had a I got married right the same year I got diagnosed and I had a small I had a daughter a few years later and one day she was walking across the floor and I saw her figuring out how to walk and mm. I looked at her and I said wow you're going to teach me how to walk again Wow. And, yeah. And I, and I said, the process she's going through is one that I had thought of in 30, 40, 50 years, 30 years. And, but watching how she was figuring things out got me to say, okay, I need to do what she's doing in order to relearn this from the beginning. So that, um, like I said, if there's good, that was the good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thanks, Don. That's really incredible. I love it. And I think it's a great idea to learn um, from how your child is learning how to walk, that we can learn yes. from that, too. Yes. That's fabulous. That's, yeah, I think, I think it's really great. I think I remember some book I read, a fiction book, but a similar idea. This, this uh, character in the novel, she had... Um, and they said, you need to go back to when you're a child. So what she did when she came back to the U.S., um, she always crawled around her apartment. And I guess the yep. crawling helped her, her brain, like, realize yep. to put weight on both sides of the body. And she eventually got rid of her um, her limp and the gait problem, Co which I thought was, Correct. I mean, granted, it was a book, of, a book of fiction. But I do think that we can learn from, yeah, everything around us. And, yeah, why not? Your child's learning to walk. How did she do that? Can I learn that too? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that, that's that's Don. Thank you for sharing that with us. I don't think You're I've welcome. ever heard that from you. Uh, that story about you and your daughter. I think that's absolutely inspiring. You know, and how we can learn, like Kate just said, from things in our environment, things just happening instead of just overlooking it or brushing it off. Right. Which, which is something that I had to relearn again after my um, event. Um, I was young when I had my um, event, and um, I, and I think the first two years, Kate, I just cried. You know, I was in wow. Adam Kessler. I had um, I had a little boy. I, I didn't remember his name because of the stroke, and I had wow. a, a very, our daughter was six years old, and mm -hmm. um, she was really freaking out. You know, because I had the second stroke mm -hmm. while we were driving in the car. Oh no! And she was in the car that. with me. Yeah. And it, it was it was wow. it was quite you know um, I learned so much from um, from other people you know and from um, um, my support group because I think I shared with you you had a question was why I named the podcast Scrambled Eggs yeah. and Ham and so if you could tell us the story behind that yeah yeah very very briefly um, when I had my stroke like I said I couldn't remember my son's name. And I named him, but I knew there was a little boy walking around the house, you know, getting into trouble and things, fighting with his sister, you know. So um, they didn't do that too much because they knew daddy was sick. 
but they were going through with it. But I could no longer take my daughter to school or drop my son off to school. So my wife, that was her responsibility now. And every morning after they got up together, they had breakfast, they left to go off to their, you know, to school and she went off to work. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would get up and I would... I would chant maybe 15, 20 minutes. I would chant Daimuku because I am a Buddhist. And um, and then I try to make myself something to eat. So I'd go over to the stove and try to make myself scramble eggs and ham. And then I'd walk away from the stove, which would, the house would catch fire. The kitchen would catch fire. The pots would burn up. So this happened mm-hmm. approximately about seven times. Wow. Seven times I set the kitchen afire because I would just forget my memory was shot, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and then one day I seen my wife looking, searching and making telephone calls. And I f- perceived she was looking for an attorney, a lawyer, you know, because she was fed up <laughs> with me burning up the house. <laughs> she was fed up, Kate. She was like damn man I married this cat and he's setting the house on fire and the whole Mm -hmm. kitchen smelled like smoke all the time Mm. so so I got into this program that was part of Kessler actually it wasn't it was called um, Employ Me and I was able to go back to NGIT to do Mm. software engineering to do engineering Great. and Mm -hmm. um, everybody said you can't do that man you should go to McDonald's and you should be picking picking um cigarette butts out of the parking lot you know oh. you know that's what you should be doing because you're damaged you're mm. damaged you know they write you off and mm. i said no i'm going to go to ngit and i went back to ngit to do the software engineering which i was successful mm-hmm. successful as at and um i talked to my professor one day i broke down and we had a heart to heart about what was going on and I told him I was burning up the house every every week. <laughs> you know? And he just he just looked at me like, What? You're burning up the kitchen every week? Why? I said, because I'm trying to cook for myself. I'm trying to provide for myself. I want to eat something. And he says to me, he says, Bill. And his name was Professor Kellers. And he said, Bill. Have you ever heard of cereal? <laughs> he said, have you ever heard of cereal? So cereal saved my marriage. Mm. You know, so it's 37 years married now. And I'm, and I'm happy. And Yeah, you know, congratulations. <laughs> you're welcome. Great. You're welcome. And um, I put her through a lot. I put her through a lot, man. I got to, you know, I got to really, like, uh, applaud her, you know, for her being a great caregiver. Mm. You know, we did neuropsychology. Mm-hmm. I think you said you and Lisa did um, psychology, neuropsychology together in the beginning. Well, actually, uh, so the neuropsychology was part of my cognitive rehabilitation program. Um, mm-hmm. She did sit on in on, I think, maybe the initial meetings, but the rest was all on me. Okay. Um, okay. But I, I wanted to go back to something else you mentioned about the chanting. And I know you're a Buddhist, but I'm wondering for both of you, um, I'm turning the tables, asking you both a question. Mm-hmm. What other things have you found that helped you um, sort of recover? So I think, like, I, I'm curious about the chanting, because for me, I realized doing meditation 
um, and yoga and Tai Chi really helped me um, recover in different ways. So I'm wondering, were there other ways that you found that helped you get back some of the abilities you had lost? Oh, absolutely. Because, well, first, um, Don, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, um, I did something called the Brain Fitness Program. I'm a computer guy, just so you know. Um, I'm a technology licensing uh, attorney, is what I did for several years. And mm-hmm. this, you know, working on a computer, people, it looks like I'm just sitting there staring at the screen, but a lot of times I'm. I'm doing things and I guess I'm rewiring my brain and you know talking mm. to Bill talking to Bill and and you know he, he he gave me an idea about chess and how um to you know playing chess every day how that mm. starts to rewire the brain so it's a matter of doing all these little things that have shown a difference to me over the years. Yes. Mm. Yeah, chess. Chess, um, Kate, helped me um, with my executive functioning. I play wow. chess. I play chess now against four computers at a time. Oh, my God. That's fabulous. Yeah, wow. At a time. So it helped me with my executive functioning. Um, another thing that helped me rebuild, well, chess helped me rebuild those neurons and the synapses and the dendrites. But... Um, mm-hmm. Yoga, I did a lot of yoga every morning. I would come down mm-hmm. when, when the kids were asleep and the wife was asleep. I, I turn on the TV. I think Adrienne Reed was her name. She had yeah. mm-hmm. a, a yoga program and I would try to, of course, I couldn't do a, um, a Savada or something. You know, I couldn't do that in the beginning, but then I got so good with Down Dog, Up Dog, Warrior One, mm-hmm. all these different things that it helped my balance. So, I agree. I think yoga has really been helpful in getting back balance. And uh, yeah. I like the idea of the um, playing chess. I, I don't know how to play chess, but you guys have inspired me. And I need to look into that. Yeah, I didn't, so, I, didn't uh, Kate, I didn't either. I didn't know how to play chess. I didn't know a pawn from a wow. rook. But I wow. um, also would help is that I joined a ch- <laughs> I'd worked for the Y for uh, part time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the only mm-hmm. job that I could find. And then I went on to behavior health. I got a job in behavior mm-hmm. health. So that helped because you're working with, with patients who have similar issues, you know, and you're, you're working mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as like a coach. And it's, that really helped me to have appreciation, mm-hmm. more appreciation for life. But, um, you know, the, the, it was the yoga, Kate. It was the chess. It was um, joining a chess mm-hmm. club, watching other people. Wow. Um, working Bill, out. You just, Bill, you just said something that I never knew. You said, you said, you are playing against four computers at a time. I said, wow. I mean, that's, I, dude, that's huge. I'm like, how did he do that? Hmm. I started with one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand that, but that that is awesome. Hmm. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, I have to keep grow. I have to keep moving forward. You know, I have to keep growing. And you know, you have you have people watching you, Kate. Right, your friends and your family. Mm-hmm. And I have my kids. Mm-hmm. And Don, you have your daughter watching you. It, yes. 
and your and and your ex-wife too. She's there. She was a caregiver. I met her. Um, yep. And I have my kids watching me. They're grown mm-hmm. now. You know, they're. I wish you know, trying to get them out of my house, which is the next step. <laughs> but 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 um, they were watching me, and I was conscious of that. You know. And I and many and and after I got conscious of them looking at me and seeing how my day was and what I, how I relate to them and you know and they they said dad has changed you know dad used to love to go fishing dad played basketball with us soccer, and now he can't do so much of that and they started you know becoming like a team, part of the caregiver group because they did not they respected what happened. You know, they, mm. they gave me space when I asked mm. for space. Because, what, the first two years, Kate, I had migraines every day. Oh, wow. That's hard. You know, every day I had. And they put me on tramadol, yeah. and that didn't work. And they tried me on brutal or whatever that is, and all this stuff. And it would work for a while, and then it would not work for me. You know, so I was I was literally in, like, the first two years, I was in hell. So what helped mm. me was my SGI um, support group family and finding Mm -hmm. out about this karma you know why you know people say well i was saying well why did this happen to me but why Mm -hmm. not me right why am i why why am i better i'm no better than anybody else why me and that's i went through that in the beginning so so bad that like i said i was crying for two years and then Mm -hmm. i said damn it i said i'm a lion and i'm gonna fight like a lion and I'm going to use this event, this stroke, as a sense of mission. Mm. As a sense of mission to help others. I'm going to use my voice as a sense of mission. And you have a beautiful voice also. And you have a beautiful, well, thank you. You have a beautiful story that others, they got to hear that. <laughs> they got it. I hope they do. <laughs> they will. <laughs> they will, believe you me. They will as soon as an arrow struck, you know, will strike the earth you know mm-hmm. if i can interject you never know who's looking yes and so watching you you know so mm. many people have said oh you are so inspiring i'm like him i mean that person is like so far away from me i i don't even know that person yeah but that mm-hmm. person knows you i'm like really Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You, yeah, you, you you just, you never know. Mm-hmm. And if I can return to something that I think uh, that Bill mentioned, this idea that after your brain injury, you're open to trying new things. Like you, so you, so you start, taught yourself how to play chess. So my question for you, Don, is what new things did you kind of venture out to after your brain injury that maybe you wouldn't have done before? And I'll tell you my story too. So, uh, or if you like me, I can go first. So basically, I always want to learn how to play piano, mm. but because of my paralysis, my right hand is still, um, well, how can I say this? It doesn't work as optimally. I can't hold regular pens. I can't manipulate things. I can't pick up playing cards or stuff, stuff like that. And so when COVID and the pandemic first happened, a friend of mine said, hey, you know what? I can teach you how to play piano over Zoom. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. I could barely, you know, move my hand. Wow. And actually, but it was, it's been great. So I am now learning how to play piano. And I think I would never have given myself permission to do that. But it's only now, after my brain injury, where I'm not afraid to be embarrassed. Yes. And I'll be honest, 
trying to learn to feed yourself, it was probably more embarrassing for my family and friends who had to watch it. For me, I didn't know that the food was missing my mouth and falling all over. I was just mm. wondering why I was still hungry. But I think <laughs> right, that, right, right. <laughs> but I think that, that's sort of, and maybe that's sort of like this lesson of our brain injury is that I'm not worried about being embarrassed anymore because wow. it, it doesn't matter. Wow, okay, so, that's beautiful. Right. That's that's inspiring. But I'm, but I'm wondering too, but back, back to you, Don, I think what have you like ventured out doing that you sort of gave yourself permission for because you have MS that you said, I'm going to do this? It's funny you ask that because I was a very straight-laced person. I would not try anything. I mean, food and, and all of a sudden, not not all of a sudden over the years i've become much more willing to try things that i always thought were things i would never do so for instance like i like to cook but i never in my whole life ate fish mm. boy now, what's wrong with you i didn't like it <laughs> now, now now I love it. Um, <gasps> I love wow, it. Wow, that's amazing. What's that? I love it because I realize that um, the my my parents are from uh, Guyana, and I realize mm -hmm. that it was the way in which it was cooked that I didn't uh, like, and I you huh. know. There are other ways other than the way they cooked it that I can eat it. So, mm. you know, I I I learned how to uh, not til tilapia. Uh, I I've learned a lot of different ways how to fry it, fry it and cook it that that mm -hmm. I just didn't know. Mm. You know. The eating, having the having the bones in there, I was like, yeah, I don't like this, but that's how they ate it. Mm, wow, Don, wow. Don, were well, you a very anal lawyer when you were practicing on the bench? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be honest. Yes, um. I literally told them when they were hiring me on first job because I don't like to go to court. Uh, I'm one of those people, I like agreements. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I, I, no, I told, the, I told the partner who hired me, I said, if you send me to court, I'll quit. <laughs> <laughs> and she just she just looked at me. I said, "I will." <laughs> going to going to court was not an option. Mm. Well, 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 man. That's a, that's a. I think that's um. I think that's very um, authentic. That's very authentic, and you know, I, I thank you for sharing that with us. You know, um. So. Um, I wanted to say, uh, so next time, Kate, you're going to play for us? I'm sorry? Next time you're going to play piano for us? 
Oh my goodness, wow. I'm not really that skilled either. It's sort of like the singing. But um, I keep trying. I did try to play Happy Birthday with my brother when he was here for his birthday, but then they started singing and that kind of threw me off. So yeah, someday, <laughs> if, I, if I, can, I can master, listen, I'm, I'm just a beginner. I only just, as I mentioned, I, you know, I didn't know how to read music, but I had to learn how to read music and, you know, learn how to play the piano. But my thought is, it's okay. I don't mind if I never get any better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a fun... Um, I think it's fun to try new things. I think that's what, one of the blessings of having a brain injury is that kind of took that barrier away. Like, yeah, I'm going to try this. Just like Don's trying how to make, you know, different kinds of fish or cook fish. And, you know, even you, Bill, trying, you know, different things like playing chess and finding new ways to make these, uh, yeah, different connections in their brain. But also just to be more adventurous. I think we just, we're not held back in like mm-hmm. many people are. Right. So our right. brain injury has, has kind of like freed us in some ways of the constraints that the society and, and we put upon ourselves. Yes. Right. Very well put. And your writing, the name of your memoir, right, is called, can you mm-hmm. say that again? Okay, so let me, it's name of my memoir, and it's a memoir, memoir about my brain injury, and also, um, it's called, It's Okay If Your Shoe Falls Off. And other lessons I have learned from being paralyzed and speechless. Okay. So the chapter about the shoe falling off is actually when I worked as an attorney, um, I did go to court, Don. I, I wanted to be a trial attorney. I wanted to go to court. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, that wasn't really in the cards. I mean, I did attempt to do it. Um, but when, so one of the days I was doing that, I had an expert on the stand and we're leaving the courtroom. And... Because of my foot drop and because of my brain injury, I can't wear, like, uh, how can I say this, like, uh, attractive shoes, put it that way. Like, I can't wear, um, like, anything that doesn't have a back. I can't have open toes, open heel no, shoes, no, no. no can't I, wear clogs. Yes. Can't, can't wear slides. So I wear some practical, dirty shoes that I hope will stay on my feet. Well, what happened was I was leaving the courtroom, and because of my foot drop, my shoe kept falling off. Mm-hmm. And it was... And it was really embarrassing, but I thought to myself, what does this expert think I am? I don't get shoes that fit me? Or that I, <laughs> or that I you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I was working for the state, you know, the uh, attorney general's office, and we didn't get paid all that much. But anyway, I didn't have shoes that fit me, but um, it wasn't a shoe size, it was just a foot drop. And I realized it really didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter if my shoe fell off. It didn't matter if my handwriting is terrible, or if I hold the pen an odd way, mm-hmm. what matters is that we're, we're trying to do it. We're, we're doing it yeah. as best we can. Yes. And that's all that matters. Yeah. But at least, did you have a pedicure? <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I got that part of it. So, um, this pod, I like, I like what you just said about the name of your... Um, the name of your memoir, but how do you write? Do you write in the morning? When do you find you most creative? In the morning, so in the afternoon? I think, I think, you know, just like all of us in Brain Injured, you have to kind of make a schedule for yourself that is best for you. I do find the mornings are best for me as far as energy level, mm-hmm. um, but I do, if I can't, and also I have to be mindful of my fatigue. So some mornings, I'm not getting up. Like, um, it's just, that's the late nature of my life that some days, for whatever reason, I'll need 16 hours sleep. There's mm-hmm. no particular rhyme or reason. It's not like I went and hiked the Himalayas the day before. No, it's just my brain, for whatever reason, is overloaded. 
mm-hmm. and I'll need more time to recover. Mm-hmm. So even though my goal is right in the morning, sometimes I don't make it. So I do try to keep a schedule. I do try to make up my writing. So if I didn't write that morning, mm-hmm. I'll try to write the afternoon or I'll try to write maybe over the weekend. Because mm-hmm. I think it's important um, to try to keep a schedule and keep yes. kind of like a, a rhythm of our lives, even mm-hmm. though our lives are sort of disrupted and changed, mm-hmm. like everyone's has been with the pandemic. But I think us especially, your whole life changes after you have a brain injury. So what did you, what did you do? Uh, how was your life? Like, how were you? What was going on in your environment with you? when we were on lockdown during the pandemic? Actually, you know, for me, um, it wasn't so bad. I guess I realized I'm pretty much an introvert, introvert, and I kind of, I mean, it was hard, all this. Like, I, I had to rely on, um, you know, people to bring food in for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess what I really realized, or what I loved from the pandemic, is that I guess I didn't realize I had a, a fear of missing out. So I, I would be thinking, oh my gosh, it's Friday night, I should go out and do something. And I realized, it's a pandemic. No one's going out and doing anything. And it was kind of like a relief to realize, ah, I could just stay home and do some reading or play the piano or what have you. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, the pandemic was good that it released me from that fear of missing out. Um, and also it kind of helped prioritize what's important, I guess, to realize that you know, families and friends and other important people will be there regardless, even during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Kate, if, go ahead, Don. I, I had a question. Did you find, Kate, that um, other people actually had a better idea of what you went through when this pandemic hit? I asked that because somebody called me and asked me. They were like, dude, is this what you've been experiencing? How how do you not go crazy just being home sitting there? I'm like, oh, you get used to that. And, you know, all of a sudden I found myself in a position where I was giving this advice on how to survive just sitting there. Wow. Wow. That's great. Wow, man. Wow. We are very useful, you see. We are yes, useful. Yes, I think we, we can show another way to live life. That because of our limitations, we realize that it's okay if I don't fill every moment of my life with busyness. Because physically, for me anyway, I'll speak for myself, I can't. I can't physically do that anymore. I think before my brain injury, yeah, I filled every moment. Right. I mean, like I was literally, I look back like, what was I thinking? I mean, I was going to law school full time. I was in the, on the mock trial in the moot court. I was like a winner of those, that one and the second one, second place, and and then still working in a busy law firm and then also being in a relationship and changing my own oil. What was I thinking? Like, this is just too much humanly possible. And I guess maybe if I hadn't had my brain injury and gotten so sick, would I have, would I have still continued that path like most Americans do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alrighty. So, um... Name this podcast, this episode. Oh, if I had to name it? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, what good comes out of a brain injury? Okay. Okay, I like that. What good comes out of a brain injury? Because right. if I heard from both of you, you know, it talked about how you tried new things, how you um, made accommodations and made the best of the situation 
Yeah. So basically, we use it as individual growth. Yeah. 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 We use it as individual growth. So, you know, um, yeah, it was quite it's quite an experience. It's still it's still happening every day. We wake up. We're you know we're lucky to be to wake up. We're lucky to be alive and have the support systems that we have. Because some people don't have those support systems. Right. You know. So. That is so, true. Yeah. So listen, Kate, before we end the podcast, do you have anything else you would like to add or Don? Well, I would just say thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be a guest of your podcast. I think it's very exciting the work you and Don are doing to make and create more awareness and create a community of people that are like us that need to know that it's not so bad. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, it's a struggle, but we can make the best of it and find humor in this situation, which I think you have both demonstrated even through this podcast. So oh. thank you. It's really been a pleasure, and I appreciate you thinking of me for this. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. I, appreciate, I definitely appreciate you, and I'm so encouraged by your, your progress. And I haven't seen, we haven't talked in a while, but maybe one day we can have a cup of coffee together in the future. Yes, that sounds great. You know, um, Don? I definitely think that um, it, you know, it's good to, to discuss what we did because. You get different people will get different ideas on how to overcome the trials and tribulations of these um, TBI uh, traumatic brain injuries. Mm. Yes, yes, you're, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate, how long? How much more do you have of your memoir? How much more? So it's a work in progress. I think that's the problem with writing. You could always rewrite. So it is pretty far along. This is my, I guess, like third major uh, version, I guess I'll call it. So a lot of it had to be trashed. I think, like you had mentioned earlier about this, why me? Um, that that I had a lot of that in the initial version, so that had to be removed because no one really wants to read about that. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So it is, it is coming along. I think um, I've already done a book proposal and sample chapters sent out to one publishing house. Uh, I got politely rejected. But it's um, it's pretty much I'd say eighty percent done. Wow! So hopefully, hopefully now I can um, now I think maybe the goal is to try to market it and try to find a place for it. I found this guy. I went to the Stroll and Roll, and I found this guy who writes memoirs for people. Hmm. Yeah, I went to the Stroll and Roll, Kessler Stroll and Roll, and he had. You want to you want to you want to tell people what the Stroll and Roll is? Oh. Well, Stroll and Roll is is a... Well, you can tell them what the Stroll and Roll is. <laughs> it's a factor for the Brain Injury Association of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It's called Stroll and Roll because people can walk or use wheelchairs or scooters. And basically, it's trying to create awareness for brain injury by being physically out at these parks and raising money for brain injury awareness. Mm, yes, that's, that was it. I had a great time. It was at Verona Park. I met so many people. And I met this cat who writes memoirs for people. His name is Richard. And I am going to invite him um, to the podcast. Great. And I'm going to invite you back. Okay. I would like that. Yeah. And you guys could you guys could um, duke it out or whatever. I don't know. Gain, learn something. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we, we learn from everyone. Because yeah. Everyone that comes into our lives, lives is just another lesson, hopefully, for us to learn. Or some good will come out of it. Yes, yes. On that note, y'all, listen. I'm going to go play some 
Let me see. What is this? So, I apologize. It's an announcement in my building. That's... Wow. I'm yeah, going to go play some chess. I will. Okay. Kate, thank you so much again. And Don, it's always a pleasure to work with you. And you, Kate, it's yeah. always a pleasure to work with you. And I'm looking forward to working with you in the near future more on um, Scrambled Eggs and Ham. This is Scrambled Eggs and Ham. My name is Bill Clark. And our guest today was Kate Simmons. And my co-host today was Don Maxwell Wade. Thank you again. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Don. Right, Bill. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.